Whiskey and Risk, a J. Crew podcast where we talk about all things risky while drinking a little bit of whiskey. I'm Max. And I'm Jackson. Let's get into it. Cheers. Welcome back to Whiskey and Risk. I am your host, Max Katzbeck. And I'm Jackson Doyle. And today we are excited to bring you another guest on our prestigious podcast here. That's right. Jeffrey Scholes, partner of J. Krug and Associates, one of our fearless leaders. He's not a huge bourbon guy, but for the show, he is partaking, so we love to see that. Yeah, he's playing the part. Jackson, why don't you talk a little bit about what we're drinking today? Oh, we want to dive right into the bourbon? Yeah. The pod? Okay, well, we'll dive right into it. We are drinking what you have compared every other whiskey thus far in terms of our comparison and our ratings, so those that follow along every episode will know, no surprise, it's Buffalo Trace. Dun, dun, dun. And I'm not going to steal your thunder in terms of your description of the bourbon before we go into ratings, and then we'll we'll get Jeff's yes, rating please. later on when he joins us. My favorite part of the show. So Buffalo Trace, this is coming from BreakingBourbon.com. Give you, I'm going to start it off with a little story for you. Buffalo Trace bourbon came about when visitors of the newly named and renovated Buffalo Trace distillery in 1999 asked, why isn't there a bourbon called Buffalo Trace? Probably a good question. Amy Presky, a PR manager from Sazerac, told us, ultimately, after discussions with Elmer T. Lee, it was decided that he would go into the best floors in the best warehouses and find some of the finest barrels we had of an older whiskey that really matched up with his views on what a full-bodied, robust character Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey should taste like. The result was what consumers enjoy today, Buffalo Trace. The brand was released to market in 1999 and is made from their number one mash bill, which is thought to be made of 10% or less rye. According to Buffalo Trace's website, the bourbon is batched from no more than 40 barrels at a time and is aged on those middle floors of various warehouses where it is where it experiences the most temperature changes. Real quick, the nose instantly likable and pleasant with notes of caramel, caramel, as I like to say, honey, orange, and vanilla. The nose balances these flavors well, while also providing an underlying layer of oak and mint. Palette sweet and mellow with notes of brown sugar, vanilla, and toffee. The palate might be too sweet for some, not for me personally, but probably very enjoyable for the most. Light amounts of oak and rye spice round out the palate. And the finish, a moderate length finish with oak at the forefront. The finish really opens up and develops and ultimately ends by filling your nostrils. It's a very interesting and full-flavored finish for a 90-proof bourbon. Once again, these guys just know what they're talking about. They really hit it on the head. I personally love Buffalo Trace. I like to compare pretty much everything we drink to Buffalo Trace. It was easier to find in, you know, Mariano's or most of your grocery stores during COVID and before COVID. And I think during COVID, there's a big bourbon craze. So I used to be able to get this for, you know, 25 bucks a bottle. Now you walk into some liquor stores and it's going for, what'd you say? You saw it in a liquor store a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? I've seen it behind the shelf at a few different places. Normally it's right around like 55. I've seen a couple when they don't have a lot of bottles on the shelf for like 70. I actually found it as a sleeper in a 7-Eleven a couple of weeks back for under 40 bucks. 
I was up in Wisconsin last weekend, and I and it just depends on where you're at. It's different all over the country, but I found it for I think it was thirty two bucks. But honestly, I love Buffalo Trace, but for seventy bucks, that's pretty steep. I think there's another bourbon that, that kind of next tier that you can reach for that price. But I mean, yeah, probably my favorite bourbon. That being said, let's hear your rating with it being your favorite bourbon. This should be good. Well, we did have the E.H. Taylor last time. Same distillery, just the next level. I'm going to go with a solid 9.2. Ooh, is 9. that 2. your first 9? I think it's my first 9. I don't like to give out 9s, you know, willy-nilly, but I talk about it so much, I might as well be about it. Yep. Well, that's a great score, especially with it being your favorite. I'm going to take a sip really quick. Yep, didn't change my score at all. I got it sitting right at an 8.8. Okay. Um, doesn't fall into the nine. I'll tell you why. This weekend, I was actually lucky enough to be drinking some Eagle Rare. So oh, the tier, yeah, yeah. The tier above this, and I'm still hanging on to that for the time being. It's just poor timing. That's yeah. all it is. But poor timing. 8.8 8 is still a great score. That's a very solid score. I, I can't wait to hear what Jeff scores it when he comes out. I believe it goes Buffalo Trace, which is fantastic, then Eagle Rare, and then E.H. Taylor. So I think Eagle Rare, Jeff's sitting in the room with us. I think for the next bourbon, he might have to buy Yeah, more anybody podcast. listening, you know, we're open to sponsors, like we say. True. Anybody want to sponsor a bottle and get a quick shout out or even join us on the pod? We're more than willing to take those. And it would absolutely, definitely help your insurance rates if you sponsor us, give us bourbon, and let us work on your behalf. So it's kind of a win-win. Promises you can't keep. (laughs) Well, all right, moving on. Let's hear about what's going on in your life. You've been traveling the world. Yeah. You've been a busy guy, and it's good to see you in the office, but this is a good place to catch up. So, I mean, yeah, I've been pretty much working during the week. I don't think I've been home on a weekend in probably a month and a half, two months. Traveling, family reunions, just different trips. Indianapolis a couple times. Went to Arkansas for a family reunion. New Orleans for our coworker Connor's bachelor party. Won't get into that, but it was a great time. And then most recently, last week, I was in Ireland for a week with my brother and my uncle. So that was awesome. Started in Dublin. I rented a car. Of course, I bought the rental insurance. I mean, why would you not? And But I mean, I'll tell you what, it's a trip because you not only are in a different country with different stop signs and lights, but you're also driving on the opposite side of the car and the opposite side of the road. And there are so many roundabouts in that country. It is unbelievable. And it's pretty scary. So by day two, day three, I was used to it, but it was quite the learning curve. And thank God, again, insurance, it's just what peace of mind by purchasing that at the <laughs> rental agency. So yeah, I mean, I, I loved seeing the pictures that you shared of the trip and hearing all about it. I have to live through you and Wyatt. A few other people have traveled this year. Jeff's traveled. Tom's traveled. I live through all of you guys because I hate airplanes. If it's anything over four hours, it's a no from me. But, you know, it looked like a lot of fun. How are things going on the insurance side of things back at work? Insurance side of things are really good. I'm having a pretty good year right now. We still got a couple months left to finish it off. Closed some pretty good deals, brought on some new clients, was able to help them with their insurance needs, clean up their policies and kind of enhance those coverages, in most cases, reducing pricing. And as we talked about in the last podcast with interest rates and just the economy in general, insurance is no different. Rates are going up. I think the average increase is probably between 8 to 12%, depending on industries, some lower, some much, much higher. So it's been a lot just working the renewals with the current clients. It's, you know, a balancing game between the carriers and the clients. You want more 
clients, bring them on, but you also, it's like a two-edged sword where you're also selling it to the insurance carriers. And a lot of insurance carriers have been closing their appetite. So to write new business, once you get the opportunity, it's not as easy as it typically is, but it's a cycle thing. So yeah, overall, it's been good. Been golfing with clients, which is a perk of the job, probably once or twice a week. Obviously, you know, you're in the office early and late to make up for that, but just getting in front of people and doing the Lord's work. How about you, Jackson? That was a great update. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm pretty still the same in my routine. Still looking to build the mechanical contractor book. Got about three or four open accounts right now. A few plumbers, a couple different HVAC clients, and a few miscellaneous later in Q4 that we're working on. A couple of my larger accounts renewals come up in November and December. So we've started working on that as well. Looking to be proactive like with what you said going on in the insurance market right now doing what we can to help them the best that we can, not only in year one, but on the renewals as well. Actually, I've had a lot of fun the last couple of months on a few of these new accounts. I have a few cross-sell opportunities on the group health and benefits side. So I've been working with Logan and Colleen in our office and have actually had communication with you on just trying to get them in the door, helping them on different lines of business, not on just the business side. So that's been fun. You know, I'm a big Notre Dame football fan. They have started the year hot, and that's been super fun to see on Saturdays. I know Jeff, who's going to join us, is a huge Notre Dame fan as well, so that'll be great to hear from him too. And then my birthday's coming up in two weeks. I'll be the big 2-5. Ooh, getting up there. Yep, yep. Quarter of a century. Yep, got a nice trip planned with some buddies and looking forward to that, getting my stuff done so I can enjoy my birthday weekend. Nice. Yeah. And I, the one thing I wanted to say, I know you had a killer year. You had a huge year last year bringing on new accounts. So how's that been this year? I know you're kind of getting the thick of things with the renewals. I mean, it's completely different. I know like when you're starting off, you're hitting the phones, you're just business development, but then having to balance that with also renewing your accounts and servicing your clients. How's that transition been? I know it, it can be interesting at some yeah. points. Yeah. Last year was a lot of just new business, a lot of just trying to get initial clients in the door And so, yes, last year was a really nice year, but keeping them and keeping them happy and keeping the service up to par has seeing the difference and the need behind time management has been a learning curve for sure, but also keeping your head down on still bringing in new business and importance behind that. So I've just learned a lot this year. Uh, I've learned that with changes in the environment, like what's going on in the economy affects our job and going on in the insurance market. So just battling adversity, different things going on, trying to communicate the best that I can and looking for a big Q4. You've done a good job. It's a whole new world. I think that's what they say, you know, moving on, moving on. on. (laughs) That that was nice. That's enough from just the two of us. I think we should bring in Jeff and I'll let you, you know, introduce him and bring him on and let's get this started. Yeah. So Jeff, welcome to Whiskey and Risk. It's an honor to have you. Thanks a lot, guys. Good to be here. I've worked with Jeff ever since the start at my first day. You were there and uh, we were at the old office, you and Tom. Way and back. Way back in the day. What was that, 2015-ish? Yep. I think it was 2015. <laughs> yeah, eight years. I've been here eight years. So yeah, I mean, I've personally been able to see and I've grown and you've also grown too. When I started, I think you were in the account management position at that time when Jeff Krug was working you were managing that book. and. You trained me and educated me on a lot of different insurance topics and how to, you know, organize my time and really mentored me in a good way. So I appreciate that. And I will say Max has grown significantly since the initial uh, 
I'm sure that story has been told, but the initial which one we received <laughs> email a run on sentence of well, yeah, you know that's classic. All I of your qualifications, Harvard or the Midwest, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's been cool to grow and see you grow, the firm grow. So let's dive into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your role currently? Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. We got to start off with the rating of the bourbon. True, true, true. true. Let me not care. I carried away. Buffalo Trace. And I want to hear Jeff's thoughts here on the pot. The bourbon is solid. I would say seven, four. Solid. I'm just not four. a huge bourbon guy. Yeah, but hey, fair. this is good. It grows on you. Caramel. I picked up that from Max's short description. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one of the most fun words to say as well, I might add. Caramel? Caramel. I was actually surprised in your description that you ended with something about mint. I'm going to go ahead and say I'd pick up none of that. I don't really either. So that must be for the most experienced bourbon drinkers out there because I, you always get away with drinking bourbon. You say you taste some oak. It's fine. That's all I, that's what. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. That's a go-to. If you don't know what to say, just say oak. Yeah. It's got an oaky aftertaste. Yeah. But yeah, it's good. I know you're, what do you typically drink? Tequila, wine? I don't discriminate. Okay. Wine. Red wine oh. Beer. White beer. High noons in the summer. Yeah. side. Nooners. Whatever, whatever the, the flavor is. I like that. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your role here at Jake Crew currently, and then we'll kind of dive into your path to where you're at now. Been here about 15 years, I think. 2008 is when I graduated. Not the best time to be searching for a job. Tough year. Yeah. <laughs> graduated from Illinois State with Tom. So that's how I got to know the Krugs and welcomed me into the family. So graduated in 2008. Worked for my dad, owned a small business, worked for him for a little while until I figured out kind of what I wanted to do, but had an insurance minor from Illinois State. So knew I wanted to be in the industry just from talking with people in school and career fairs. And it seemed like a great industry to be a part of. So talking to Tom and it was just kind of like, hey, come up and meet with us. Just, you know, we don't really have anything, but meet with my dad. Maybe he can introduce you to some people in the industry met with them a couple weeks later they called me i believe the exact phrasing was we don't really need you don't really have a position for you but we like you so why don't you come by check it out and, and see how it goes and then as max likes to say the rest is history the yeah it's history yeah so awesome. you've told me stories in the past but you're from homewood correct Yes. So Southwest side, our uh, office was in Mount Prospect at the time, Northwest side. First of all, that commute, I don't even know what that commute is. You can tell us, but at that point with that commute, weren't you bouncing around a little bit to uh, buddies' houses or? Yeah, that was part of the job offer was <laughs> Jeff goes, we have a house with an empty basement. If you ever need a place to stay, it's not <laughs> as a condo in downtown Mount Prospect. Yeah, I was living at home trying to save some money. So I think the commute on a good day, because coming up 294, which is always under construction. Right. I think the good days were about, I would leave at, I think, 6, 6.15, which would put me at the office a little after 7. And then the way home, I would try to leave by 4, 4.30, and it would be and oh, see at nine. 6 and 6.30. Yeah. And oh my I would figure it out. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I kind of knew that going into it is I was just looking for an opportunity to yeah. learn the industry and yeah, it was a good place to be. And then from your parents, you moved to Chicago, right? Yeah. Early 20s, my, mid 20s. My fiance at the time, Holly, we Shout lived out in Holly. the West Loop. Shout out Holly. We lived in the West Loop for a couple of years. So I made that commute, which wasn't ideal, but- Do you Holly, take the train or drive? I would take the train a couple of days a week 
usually on Fridays and then usually one other day. But it, I mean, it was a not to be that guy, but it was a mile walk in the winter <laughs> in the snow, uphill both ways, both yeah. ways. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, start to finish, I think it was that wasn't much better, but I could you're on the train versus driving, right? So it was better for that sure. Makes sense. So, you're living in Chicago, working at J. Crew. Tell us about. I guess learning the insurance, I know you said you majored in insurance, but how was that learning curve when you started and what were you doing when you first started? Yeah, the early days. Yeah, it was back in the Mount Prospect office. We were kind of split up the staff, I mean, all over the place. Some people were on the bottom floor. We were up on the top floor and I was actually sharing an office. I didn't think I had a desk the first couple of months. I think I had a chair next to Tom's office. <laughs> Solid. Desk. Solid. In Jeff's Krug's office. Get to learn from the master. Right. So I basically, a lot of it was honestly just listening to them on the phone, watching them do stuff. And then Jeff was always great about follow me to this meeting, come to this meeting. Even for me too, he would always take me on meetings as a, I didn't know what I was doing, but he'd max, you're driving, but come to the meeting with yeah, me, you know? Exactly. So I honestly, it was just on the job. I mean, outside of the stuff, the small amount of stuff you learn in college, which is minimal, it's on the job. You learn from the mistakes you make, the good things you do and the bad things you do. Right. But you learn from it and grow that way. I would echo that. I would echo that. So you're working in Jeff Krug's office with Tom right next to you. You don't have a desk. At what point did you kind of, so when I started, you had your own office and I was like, wow, this guy, I'm going to learn from him. Yeah. Moving on (laughs) up in the world. So kind of what was your transition there? And maybe some of the things you might've struggled with as a young professional getting into the insurance world? I think just the moving parts, there's so much in insurance, there's so much you have to learn, there's so much you have to do. So always doing those things and learning on the job and learning every day, learning something. But after, I want to say it was a year or two, Tom wanted to transition out to sales and start taking over some of his Jeff's accounts Mm -hmm. to start that transition. So Tom was about 50% sales, 50% doing account management work until I could slowly take over all of his account management work, which was a lot of mostly Jeff's accounts and the Michael McGuire's accounts and a handful of other accounts. Mm -hmm. So once everyone was comfortable with that, Tom basically transitioned to full-time sales and I essentially was our loan account manager for a while, which yeah, is- I remember that. You had a couple <laughs> of people- like a lot. Yeah. Hey, you had a couple of people, but I know that most things flew through you and you were doing the renewals. Obviously you were doing the servicing day to day, at least when I started in 2015. So you had already kind of established yourself at that point. You were my, I, it's kind of funny to think back at it. Cause when I started, I was like, oh, these guys are old guys. They know what they're doing, but it's like, we were what, 28, 29 when I started yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. 37 yeah, now, yeah. so yeah, it would have been eight years. So my age now. So, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing that I think about sometimes. But anyways, yeah, so you started the account management. We were at the old office and then kind of went from there. Yeah, I slowly, I also, that whole time, Jeff was very adamant about building a network, getting out, meeting people. Hey, here's a small account. You take it, take the commission on it, build your network that way. I slowly, he introduced me to the alarm and security business, which was a lot of what he did. So I took over our relationship with the Illinois Electronics Security Association, Mm -hmm. slowly built a book of business that way. I mean, we have a large book of that business today. And I have a lot of carrier relationships that I've built over the time, a lot of attorney and contract relationships that I've built. So I'm, that's most of my focus now from a new business perspective. 
that's really what I like to focus. Well, on. that's your bread and butter. And that's a good example of like the riches are in the niches or just like focusing on one thing and becoming an expert in that. Because I know like when we get new accounts or new opportunities, reviewing the policy language and talking to you, I mean, you know, everything about every single one of the carriers that will ensure an alarm contractor and what to look for in the policy languages and how different the policies and the carriers can be in terms of coverage between one or another, correct? Yeah. And that was something that Jeff always told Tom and I was like, you need to differentiate yourself. You need to get out there. You need to learn. There's so much to know and you're not going to know everything, but if you don't know something, it's fine. Say you don't know it and go find the answer. So that was something that we always, both Tom and I focused on was get your CIC designation, CRM, your certified risk manager designation, separate yourself, know the answer so that if a client calls or a prospect calls, you have a good answer for him. So that was something I always focused on. And I mean, it helped. I think it helped doing some of the account manager work, getting out there with Jeff, with Tom on the sales front and meeting people and developing network and developing relationships that way. It's been great all around, but I think both of that kind of combined into where I am today. Yeah. And that's truly from the ground up. I think learning from the account management role when I have a coverage question or something, I'm typically coming to you because you've read the policies and I obviously we all read the policies, but your experience in like handling the tough questions and the claims and the servicing needs, that's where I find value in talking to you. So I appreciate that. I always know when Max has a question. I hear the little knock on the window. <laughs> hey Jeff, <laughs> you got a minute? <laughs> Not really, but sure, let's go. <laughs> and we've already talked about, you know, with Tom, the transition from the old office to the new office, but how about for you from that role to now partner? Congratulations. Yep. Thank it's been you. a little bit. I've been but, for five years. Yeah, yeah. but always doesn't feel cool. like that, I will say. I mean, that was something that as soon as Tom transitioned the business from his dad, he made it pretty known that he wanted to get myself and Logan involved in the business and he wanted us to be more committed and more just in general ready to grow the business because that was something we we both wanted to do all three of us wanted to do we were all on the same page with it so that want and desire to grow the business and one of those decisions was we need to be able to attract and retain employees and we need to get out of the office we were in and get into a more desirable location and desirable office with amenities and things like that so that was a decision that we made and i mean i love our current office setup i love the location everything about it it's been awesome on the growth side and just commitment to hiring from illinois state and doing some of the things we did there was a couple years there where it felt like it wasn't working or just wasn't really going anywhere just taking time and we knew that and we committed to it and now where we're at is when we were able to onboard people like Cooper, like Kyle, like John, like some of the salespeople that we've onboarded, we kind of have it down. So now it's more of like a, hey, step one, step two, step three. So it's just been good to see over the last four or five years how if you commit to something and do it with intent, you can get the outcome you want. So I have I have a little bit different frame of question because, you know, Max has been a part of the journey from the transition from not only the old office, but as you've grown in the company. The guinea pig. When I came on in That is a good point. Max was for sure the guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> he was the first hire, entry-level position. I remember, have you ever told the story about Jeff Krug pulling up to your office? 
up to your desk. Not on the podcast, no. <laughs> I hear it from my office because Max is right out. This, the cube was right outside. Right in office. the sales. Yeah, yeah, right there. And all I hear is it's about 8.15. Chair rolls up. Max, what are we doing today? <laughs> Who are we calling? I don't know. Where's your list? Let me find it. Okay, Mr. Krug, here it is. Why don't you go ahead and make some calls? And they sat there and called for about, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes. Oh, geez. Yeah, with Jeff right on my shoulder. <laughs> telling me everything I'm saying. Mostly, I will say Jeff was awesome because at that point in his career, he really didn't have to be nice to me or educate me. But he did take the time out of his day to help me out. And uh, it was pretty nerve wracking, though, as a 21 year old, not knowing what I'm doing. And the president of your company is sitting right behind you, listening to every single cold call you're making and giving you feedback. Well, I, I think that was, was at that time you had been there, I think, a couple months. So, like, I think you just needed to be pushed. And I yeah. think that was the intent of it was, right. hey, I'm going to, Max is ready. He knows enough. He's able to pick up the phone, start yeah. calling people. You got to do it at some point. So I think that was the intent of it. Yeah. I think it worked. It worked. Yeah, it looked great. And I like yeah. I use that tactic now sometimes. That's right. When I know people are ready or sometimes it's just like- Dragging their hey, feet a little straight. It's yeah. a Tuesday morning. Not everyone wants to get fired up about insurance, <laughs> but today we are. Yeah. Today we're going to have a good day. Right. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to say, just tell them, let's go. Yep. Let's roll. Yep. So my experience has been completely different. Like I was saying is my first- introduction, as I would say, or knowledge of Jay Krug came from you. I applied from Illinois State. I'm another Redbird grad. And my advisor, when I kind of discussed that I wanted to go into insurance and I talked to her about sales, um, referenced Jay Krug and the great relationship at ISU. I sent in my resume. And then the next day I had a call. You guys actually, when I graduated, it was during COVID. And so there was no in-person career fairs nobody was going in for interviews or anything like that. So we did a virtual career fair and I train wreck. I got the email <laughs> of like, we'll be in the virtual career fair. Here's what time, whatever. And I was fired up. I'm in my college apartment. I tell all my buddies like, Hey, nobody talk for an hour. Like, I don't know how this is going to be. I got my basketball shorts on and a suit jacket and I'm excited. Now in our same conference room, I turn on and I get logged into the J crew group and it's, the three owners in the conference room on a TV looking at me, I was immediately terrified. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not prepared for this at all. It actually went great. I'll join the theme. Well, that's the not what I heard. The rest uh, is history. No, I've heard good things. <laughs> no, I've heard good things Ed, from all three, actually, and that they didn't see the nerves, I guess, or maybe they did. And you would have really seen saw. a few of the other. So they, it was broken, I think, into five-minute intervals and... I mean, a couple other ones, the internet didn't work. It was like a speed a interview type 30 of second delay. It was so bad. But that was the one. And I remember us sitting in here and we were just like, that was good. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's if, right. If you could be good in a three and a half, four minute interview online in that setting. Like, yeah. I think I, I would do. What I would echo that too. Cause I think I remember the first day Jackson came in for an in-person interview and he, I don't know, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember him coming into the office and I just chatted with him for a couple of minutes after he interviewed with you guys. And I was like, okay, I like that kid. Good guy. Probably a really good podcast host too. So it sounds like checked boxes and it was great from the beginning. And then after I left from the in-person interview, we got lunch, probably went straight downhill. We went out to lunch and I, I ordered a salad. 
Nerves, nerves. I was incredibly nervous. Yeah. And I was delivered a side salad for my entree. Yeah. In front of everybody. That was just a plug for any future interviewers (laughs) out there, especially in an entry level position. If you get taken to a decent lunch, you're able to order a actual dish of food. Yeah. (laughs) Not a side salad. Not some grass. And I will say, I can't be fully to blame, fully transparent now. A few years later in the job, I Googled the night before what to do. At a job interview lunch, and they said to order the cheapest thing on the menu. And I saw a salad. You've been logo said I don't you want some chicken or something? <laughs> it was a, it was a four or five leaves of a Caesar salad. And, uh, yeah, it was not my best showing. So yeah, we've come a long way. But yeah, so what I was saying is I've I've only known you in the role that you're in, and that's you know the director of the commercial lines, principal owner. So when did that? I know you guys have seen the gradual progression, but. What has that change been like for you of day-to-day, you pretty much run not only the account managers where you started, but now our full sales team, everybody kind of runs through you. So what's that change been like? I mean, it's been good. We kind of saw the, and that's what makes Logan, myself, and Tom, like the dynamics of all three of us work is like we each have a, a different you're all very different, but it yes, works out all, in a good way. We are very different. Yeah. We all bring different things to the table. We all bring different experiences, everything. But that was something that I liked was bringing people into the industry, explaining the pros, cons, teaching. And then from there, like on the sales front, like watching young producers develop, like Max, you, Wyatt, Connor, everyone yeah. has been doing awesome over the last three, four years and see like Connor's development from a role like I had, you know, he did account management for a couple of years and he was like, I need to be out of the office and you need to be meeting people. I need to yeah. be selling and just getting big wins. It's better than me bringing in a new account, honestly, because like the faster we can get our younger producers up and running, developing their own opportunities, learning the insurance knowledge, like the faster we can grow and grow successfully from everyone. So, yeah. yeah. So I just love it. So that's why, I mean, it's been great for me personally. Yep. Did you have any hesitations on taking like an equity role or a partner role or was it like, yeah, sign me up type of thing? Honestly, it was like, I didn't really, Tom brought it up to Logan and I and I was just like, sure. And like, I mean, I came from, a, my dad owned a small business and I have three kids that are almost nine, six and three. Very well behaved too. Yeah. Very well behaved. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I saw the flexibility and I've always been this way is like you work in as long until the work needs to be done. So yeah. It's just, yeah. You know, I would work early. I would work late. I was always working anyways. So I'm like, I might as well seek, have some of the benefits that come with it. Mm-hmm. But so one of the big things is my dad and, you know, owning a small business was he had flexibility, but he worked like he worked so hard. He worked 60, 70 hours a week, but yeah. he would be able to leave at four o'clock, go coach my team. And then work later at night. And so I saw it as an opportunity and it was like, it was a no brainer, especially with Tom, Logan, all being on the same page of wanting to grow the business. And we all believed in, you know, growing it internally by organically staying independent, hiring good people. One of the things is, are you guys hiring? Yes, we're always hiring. Yeah. We just want to find good people. And if you invest in your people that, you know, the company's going to grow with it. Absolutely. So you mentioned your kids and taking on that partnership role. How do you now kind of balance your life as a partner at the firm, being in the insurance industry and 
your outside obligations. I mean, how many freaking sports teams do you coach? I probably need a better, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain this, but I could probably be better at the balance of it, just of not getting stressed. I get stressed easily. Mm-hmm. But at well, the same time, busy. I love, yeah, and I mean, I love coaching and spending time with my kids and my wife and obviously doing as much as we can. But sometimes I probably take on too much. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I've had numerous people tell me like, oh, they go, years go fast and they do. So I just, I want to do as much as I can. Yeah. And if it's basketball or football or baseball or whatever, I'm going to be there. And I mean, that's a huge benefit of Jay Krug and working here is that we've always been that way. And it's important. You want to do it and you have to do it. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't lie. Sometimes it's very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Work late, but yep. you do what you got. You're not going to regret it, you know, when you're older. You right. Know? So I've already had so many great times that are needed and want to have. Sometimes you just got to slow down and appreciate it a little more. Kind of building off that point, we preach and in, in all of our meetings and kind of the the mantra I'll say here is like we grow organically. And even since I've started, but seeing where it's come from the Mount Prospect office is it's just been gradual, continuous growth and it's not slowing down here. But I just thought a fun question to add would be like, what does life not only here, but like just life in general look like in 20 years? If you could picture it, Jay Krug, years. you know, Jay Krug in 20 years, but then also like Jeff in 20 years. What are we looking oh, at? That's me on a beach somewhere. Shoot, 29, 26, <laughs> and 23? Oh, that's crazy. That'd be scary. It'd be scary for Still, all of us. Because we've yeah. seen them all. I'd well, how grow up? Be then? I don't want to talk about that. You know, I got <laughs> my 25th coming up. So in, I, uh, I two you was 57. So 57, I see continued growth. I mean, year over year. And I mean, we internally, we talk, you know, three-year plan, five-year plan. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think we've ever talked 20-year plan, but... If we continue what we're doing now and we keep finding good people, then honestly, I, I want to be double, triple, quadruple. I'm going to be a hundred person firm yeah. um, at minimum, but you got to do what's right and at the time and just invest in the people. And then I think the rest will go. But personally, I it's commitment to, to the independent agency and just grow the business stay very involved in my kids things and watch them grow which is pretty cool enjoy it that's what i should say is enjoy it enjoy the ride no that's awesome and i've seen the last eight years i can't even me personally imagine what is in store for us in the next 20 and i have a commitment and i think most of us do and i think the coolest thing is and we've talked about before a lot of our competitors or the traditional family insurance agencies that you think of are being gobbled up by the big brokers in the world. And I'm not talking down about the big brokers. You know, there's a definitely a place for them and they they bring value too. But just having that commitment to us to say, hey, listen, we're not going to sell out. We are going to grow this thing organically. I mean, we've talked to town about it, but I'm sure people reach out to you every week saying, hey, we're a PE firm. We're some conglomerate. We were interested in buying your agency. Let's have a lunch meeting or something. And to be able to say no to that, and not cash out, you know, is probably tough at some days more than others. But as employees, I think we all really appreciate that. And we see ourselves kind of growing with the firm as well. And it's built the culture. I feel like you just said, we all feel it. And one thing that's consistent, you know, among service team, sales team, management is like, 
I feel like if you were to ask anybody the same question, it's like everybody would have the same opinion of the work-life culture here. There's just a positive buzz every time we're all in the office, we all get along well, we're all highly motivated. There's lots of communication around the common goals. And like we say, like we're not principal owners yet, but like we're bought in. And I thought that was a really good point. I remember who said that at the sales meeting a few weeks back, yeah. but I liked it a lot because it's true. Well, yeah. I mean, as a producer, you kind of control your own destiny. It's, you know, obviously we have the team, but it's, for me, it's like Max LLC. I have my clients and I want to grow it. And it's a blessing and a curse when you're starting off. It's very tough, but you know, there's no cap on what you can make. So the possibilities are endless, but even outside of that too, the possibility like, to become part of the management team or help run the company or do what I can as we continue to grow is something that's super interesting to me and something that I saw when I first started. I could have joined a huge brokerage and everything has its pluses and minuses, but I saw the potential in the company and I'm happy I made the right choice. So that was cool. The commitment too is a huge thing. I mean, if you buy into something and believe in it and commit to it, you're going to succeed. And if you're going to succeed, why would you need to look other places or do something else? Like commit to something, do it, do it to the best of your ability. And I'm sure it's going to be good enough. Right. Yeah, sure. We always want to be better, but anytime you commit to something, stay true to your word, commit to yourself, commit to the team, then everyone's buying in together and everyone's on the same page. And that's how you move forward together. Couldn't have said it better myself. Could not have said it better, Jeffrey. Anything else you want to share while you uh, while you're on the Whiskey and Risk podcast? Or I know we touched about your alarm industry expertise. Anything you kind of want to leave our listeners with? And then Jackson's got one final question for you. I don't think so. You guys were not hesitant about getting in the podcast game, but how's it been? What do you guys like about it? What do you need to do better? Or what do you want to do better here in the next month yeah. or two to? Keep it moving forward. First off, I'm going to say that's a great question. <laughs> Spoken like a true boss, yeah, right? Got to put you on the spot. Yeah. It's a great question because it's probably not discussed enough or thought about enough in terms of the podcast. So I'll kind of answer it in two tiers. Favorite thing about the podcast is I think it's just another avenue for us to connect to people and show some personality outside of insurance. I don't think it's a secret to anybody. Like when you ask an average person about insurance, they're not overly joyed or there's not a lot of excitement that goes to it, but it is a necessary need for everybody. And I think that we do a good job of bringing some life and some spark to the conversation. But it's also, like I said, a good way for people to feel our personality, not only of the two of us, but how things go here in our firm. To go on top of that, I think something we have to do better is commitment to some consistency. Yeah, I agree. We've had multiple conversations of output of episodes. I think we're right now pretty consistent at once a month. I think we have the capabilities now of two a month. Mm -hmm. I think we could do two in a month. We're pumping them out and things seem like a well-oiled machine now. Like I said, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I'd love to hear your answers, Max. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think (laughs) it's easy to get caught in the day-to-day of our job. So starting the podcast, I know we were both a little maybe hesitant on, you know, hey, we've got our own goals. We're in sales. Our job does come with a lot of stress. Like we talk about golfing or like going on trips or like doing whatever. But at the same time, there's a lot of stress that goes into what we do. Not only are we retaining our clients, dealing with some people's worst possible days, but making sure they're properly covered, retaining that book of business, also growing our business. So we have obviously sales goals to 
hit. And that's something that Jeff and Tom and Logan are always in our annual review. We're talking about, hey, what were your numbers this year? That's something. But on top of that, doing the podcast. And at first, I think, like I said, we were hesitant, but I really enjoy it. One, having a couple of bourbons in the afternoon on uh, what is today, Tuesday. I don't want to sound too bad about ourselves, but obviously we worked really hard before we did this. That's fun. And I think just being able to connect with some of our clients, some of our partners, we've had some carrier partners on the show. We've had clients, obviously we've had Jeff on the show, Tom, and hearing kind of their thoughts and yeah. diving into things. That'll be fun. That'll be the most exciting part moving forward. I think, yeah. And trying more bourbons, but meeting and talking to new people and their impacts on the industry. Yeah. And I think it honestly, it comes pretty naturally once we start going when we start getting on a roll, it's very organic. It's not like we're planning a ton of this out. Obviously, we have a couple of things we want to hit on, but it, it seems we just kind of talk. It's a normal conversation like we would have one-to-one in a non-podcast setting. So it's cool to be able to do that. I think just the commitment to staying on track would be good. And then having some more clients and guests outside of J. Krug Firm would be cool as well because I like hearing about other people's day-to-day and their struggles and their successes. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Is that good? What do you mean is that good? Right. Your podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. Good. You shouldn't good. let me ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Before we wrap up, I do want to ask one last fun little question with now seeing us in the podcast setting, but then also you've gotten to know the two of us quite well. Yeah. Max has some years on me, but I'm pretty outspoken. And so I'm easy do to I get to know. What my favorite is? No. Well, you could, if you, if you want to, I, I tried to go a little bit outside <laughs> of that. I said, uh, who in your opinion would last the longest out in the wilderness for a week? If given a week. For a week? We're at Max or, or Jackson. Where? Wilderness. Um, you know, I always have a second question. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm going to leave temperature out of it. So no cold. I'm just going to say. Like the summer, northern Wisconsin. Southern summer. Yeah, but no shelter, no food. But we're in a wooded area. So, in a wooded area. so I'm able to cut stuff down. You could cut stuff down and you With can hunt it, Max. You, what would you Well, do we get any it? utensils? I'll give you a machete. Oh, it's game. So a large knife, thing. and that's it. You have nothing to like heat something I mean, up food wise. A machete in a large Roscoe, Roscoe, Illinois, or Mount Prospect. Uh, I'm, I'm from with uh, Mr. Doyle over here, oh, but I could walk into the nearest town. And and that's start. not a diss. <laughs> it's not a diss. So I wouldn't survive out <laughs> very long either. So you're all good. That's fine. I think I would make it to at least day four, maybe. How many followers do we need? And we'll do a social experiment. Oh, maybe you guys to do like an hour. You don't need to do an a hour. An hour? An hour? An hour? At least two days. If it's an hour, I'll switch my machete for bug spray. And I think I'll be <laughs> If we reach, let's go with 500 likes on a LinkedIn post for Whiskey and Risk, Max and I will do a week camping trip yeah. in tents. A week? We'll, we'll camp for a week in tents. We'll vlog it. We'll use, uh, we'll hit the YouTube we'll use too. Some PTO timer or something like that, but we'll still, no out of office, we'll still respond to our clients. I'll give you one day off. I'll give you one day off for free. We'll do a long <laughs> enough, <laughs> enough, but yes. We would just, 500 likes on a LinkedIn post, reference to Whiskey and Risk, and we will go camping in tents, Max and myself, and we'll document. I love that. So let's get some followers. Let's get some likes. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on our podcast if you like what you heard. We do have an email address, whiskeyandrisk at jkrug.com. So if there's any questions or if you want to be on the show or, hey, ding, 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 if you want to maybe sponsor us, feel free to shoot us an email. We will respond. 
And thanks for listening today, Jeff. Thanks for being on the yeah, show. Thanks a lot. I think this Appreciate was really good guys. one. Always very interesting. Cooper. Shout out Cooper. Shout out Cooper. Cooper, good work. Yep. Behind the scenes, making this all, making this all happen. So uh, thanks everyone. And uh, cheers. 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 Thank you.